let me just let me just remind us of where we're at in terms of our journey of ministry at this beginning of this new year. And we're running a series that seeks to capture the prophetic intent that seeks over Arena Church at this time. People being saved, multi-lights and groups expanding, and a continual reach into our community. They're the passions of where we live in. And so to do that, we need to stand out and shine. And Christian led us in this, both in the visionary season and also in ministry. And those verses are from Matthew 5, where it talks about us not hiding our light, but letting it shine, being a city on a hill that cannot be hid, so that when people see your good works, they will glorify your Father in heaven. And so we're now into uh, week four of this particular series. The first two weeks, we looked at the theme of strangers. And I hope you got that. Not odd, weird, loopy, but a call to be strangers, different in the world. And then last week, uh, we're seeking to roll out some themes from that. We sought to deal with the very important truth of integrity. Great that we had young generation speaking to integrity in the morning, and Josh did a great job. And then Paul Stokes at Mansfield, one of our elders in the evening, speaking to integrity. And this morning, friends, I'm going to take a subject which is not always easy to handle, but by God's grace, in the next few minutes, hopefully we'll be able to do appropriately and well, and uh, that you'll capture the heart of where we're going. We're going to speak this morning in terms of standing out and shining to the thought of purity. And if you've got a Bible, then you may want to go to Philippians chapter 2 and verse 14. Philippians is in the New Testament of the Bible. Philippians 2 and verse 14, it says this, Do everything without grumbling and arguing for this reason, so that you may become blameless and pure. Children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And I think Chris is just going to put a backdrop up for us that will just help us embrace this. I'm not into astronomy, you know. You know, Bless him, he's gone to eternity now. I tried to get Patrick more, but never did. Um, but... Um, so, but you know, on some of these winter evenings, I don't know whether you've just gazed upwards, cold, frosty, fresh, black, but the stars have twinkled away, and it's a glorious, glorious sight. And here, the Bible says, as we stand out and shine, we will stand out and shine among them like stars in the sky. That's the thought of today, and if you forget everything else, that I say, I want you to go away today, whatever your background, whatever your brokenness, wherever you're coming from, to realize that wherever you are here, God wants you to get to there, and he wants you to shine for him like a star in the sky. Purity, blameless before the Lord. You know, this, this challenge this morning is almost contradictory, paradoxical, because it goes against a society that often paints an impure and dark backdrop. Nothing's changed, because the generation that was described by Paul was described as warped and crooked. And in no way this morning do I want to be inappropriate or gratuitous, but I do want to make one or two straight statements, friends, that will strike to the very heart of our challenge Because here's the enduring word. We do this as we allow the word of God to be held firmly 
in our lives. Let me for a moment speak about impurity. E.L. James began to write a book as she commuted on the London Underground that became Fifty Shades of Grey that sold over 100 million copies in over 50 languages. And of course, this very weekend, it was released on film. Interestingly, East Midlands Today on Friday says that the seventh highest bookings, pre-bookings for Fifty Shades of Grey was Mansfield, so they're really going to get it tonight. And... Um, <clears throat> And if you're asking, no, I've not read the book, and it's not on my bookshelf, and I'm a stranger. But I'm not a stranger, friends, removed from what's taking place in the world. That's weird, odd. I'm rooted and grounded to be salt and to be light. And uh, I realize, friends, that this has made one particular lady very, very wealthy. And people say it's just a bit of a fun, but I'm going to come later to the fact that sometimes we need to come to things and repent and turn from them. I want to say, friends, that what I have read about the book leads me to believe, and this is worked out in society, that it encourages men to treat women inappropriately. And that is impure. If it's on your bookshelf, I suggest it finds its way to the bin. What about the pornography industry? A multi-billion pound profit being made by unscrupulous people in the day in which we live. This year, it's estimated that adult content simply on mobile phone devices and applications will exceed $3 billion. 35% of all boys in the UK have admitted to viewing images that are inappropriate too many times to count. There's a lot of impure temptation out there, and we're aware of it. The front page article of the Times this week, the 11th of February 2015, reported on an academic review into adolescent relationships and it brought the report that almost half of teenage girls in the UK have been coerced into some sexual act of some description by young men and others and we live in a generation friends that expresses itself in impurity so often through what we look at visually through our vulgarity and through our vanity and there's a different call on the people of God Matthew 5 8 blessed and in the Amplified Version, it says to be happy, spiritually prosperous, and fortunate. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. The psalmist cried out, who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord? And who shall stand in the holy place? He that has clean hands and a pure heart. In the 1950s, a group of people, young people, gathered together in the Hebrides and cried out to God from that very psalm. And a mighty revival under the leadership of Duncan Campbell hit those western isles with hundreds of people finding Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Let's move on. A dictionary definition for purity. Unadulterated. Not adultery, but unadulterated. Undefiled. Uncorrupted. The language of the New Testament was in the working day Greek of that particular age. And as so happens in that language, there was a number of words that we now take for our English word. One of them... It's called hagnos. It has a very close relationship to being holy. Another one for purity or, or being pure speaks of being cleansed or clean. And the third one speaks of being unalloyed or unmixed. In other words, God wants us neat. Not mixed, not unalloyed, not watered down, not diluted, but the whole of your life given to him. 
What I'm going to do over the next few minutes is I'm going to take us into the Old Testament for a moment and paint a picture that I think is relevant to the challenge of the morning. And then I'm just going to bullet point four things in terms of how we respond to this call as people that stand and shine, strangers in this world, to be pure in an impure world. So you need to turn to it this morning, and I'm not even going to go through it verse by verse, but if you'll go to 2 Chronicles in the Old Testament, and chapter 34, a little bit later, or this week, then I, I think it, you'll read about King Josiah. You may say, Phil, I find this Old Testament sometimes a bit hard work. I mean, what have these stories got to do with me? Well, Romans chapter 5 and 15 and verse 4 says that everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. In other words, you need to read it as a metaphor, as a story, as a picture, as an illustration that then downloads into your spiritual journey today. And you'll find that through the cross, friends, everything written in the Old Testament is confirmed in the New that's how the Bible frames itself together. It is not contradictory, it is complementary. We've not got two gods. He's always been loving, he's always been merciful, he's always been just. And he always will be. And the reality is that Josiah came to the throne at eight. Imagine little Isaac running the country. Well, Christian, the Lord help us. I mean, but I'm sure he'd do a great job. But the Bible goes on to say that by the time Josiah was 16, an adolescent teenager trying to navigate those choppy waters of becoming from a boy to a man. Guess what? We've all done it. It's okay. You can make it. If you're there this morning, it's all right. You'll find out your parents were right all the way along, you know. By the time he was in his early 20s, he was bringing national reform to the nation. A nation that was crooked and perverse, similar to what Paul described in Philippians 2. And that had neglected the temple. In the Old Testament, friends, the temple was the epicenter of God's presence and glory. And the signs of a backslidden nation would be that they would always allow the temple to go to ruin and disrepair. He began to empty the temple of its rubbish. You may say, well, what's that got to do to me? Keep listening because a bit later on, there's an application to our temple, which is not, interestingly, this building, Arena Church. But we'll get there in a moment. And as they were clearing the temple of the rubbish, they discovered what they described as the book of the law or the word of the Lord. And as they began to reread the law, the word that had been so placed on the periphery of the nation, they realized it was a powerful word, that it was a plain word. And guess what? It was a present word. And that is, that is one of the reasons we are preaching and teaching in the church, friends, because we believe that it's got a present word. And we want the ministry in our church to come both preached and prophetic. A prophetic church is not a church that has 25 prophecies every week. Probably isn't. A prophetic church is a church that recognizes the present and sees that God wants to take us into a future. And we're listening and we're responding and we're yielding. And obeying to be those people. And I believe, friends, that Arena Church increasingly, in God's heart, God wants us to increasingly carry a prophetic spirit. A present spirit that responds to a present word. How did they react to all of this? Well, there was a response and there was a repentance. I don't have time to talk about repentance in any depth today because it's a message on his own. But a repentance is active and a, a repentance turns away. 
Repentance goes in the opposite direction. And to career friends to the wrong destination knowingly, frankly, is lunacy. Sharon doesn't like the London Underground. You know, well, nobody's going to talk to you and they're certainly not going to smile on the London Underground, are they? And particularly in these days when everybody's connected to to, uh, electronic devices. But the thing is that she says, do you know where you're going? I says, of course I do. Just leave it to me. Just Just leave it to me. And I'm getting on the train, you see, and I'm looking for the next station. Because the next station confirms we're going in the right direction, east to west, west to east. What happens if it's the wrong station and we've got on the wrong platform and we're going in the opposite direction to we should be doing? We repent. As much as it would pain me to do so. <laughs> I got it occasionally wrong. You know, we get off at that station, we go to the opposite platform, we go in the opposite direction. That's all it's about, friends. If you are careering today to destruction in your life, God calls you to repent, to turn around and find a better way. And then they renewed their commitment to obey the Lord. And verse 31 tells us that a prophetic promise came that says to the people that God was going to judge them. But because of the response of the people, God pulled back on his judgment over the nation. I want to say, friends, that our nation has put the word of God on the periphery of national life. And we do it to our detriment. And God wants a prophetic church to rise up in these days that will call it back to the center because when we do that, we will know the blessing of God in an amazing way. The temple mattered and the temple needed to be uncluttered. So briefly, four responses to all of that. Number one, pure in mind. Pure in mind. Let me read these verses from Jesus who was being assailed by religious people that were picking over detail and trivia that didn't really matter. And Jesus said to these people, don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart and these defile them. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what defile a person, but eating with unwashed hands does not defile them. They were picking up and saying, look at these people, look at these Jesus. Eating things without washing their hands, ooh, that's really bad. He says, no, 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 we're not going there. What really matters is what's pure within you. Don't be conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Philippians 4.8, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, whatever is excellent, then think on such things. The computer guys and girls amongst us would know, G-I-G-O, garbage in, garbage out. Oh, that computer. I mean, if I have five quid for every time I've confessed that. That computer. Why do we have to get so fascinated with computers? What's wrong with pen and paper? You know. By the way, somebody came late to an appointment with me this week, 50 minutes late, because he tried to transfer his appointments from his, uh, his iPhone to his Samsung. It didn't work. And I was sat there with my diary on time. I think, mate... 
50 minutes late, I was in serious blessing, you know. You know. And by the way, I was 10 o'clock back in Birmingham on Friday morning, having not left there until 10 past 10 the previous night. So, you can do it if you sort it out. Assemblies of God General Superintendent George Wood says that such words, particularly relating to Philippians 4.8, such words prescribe our choices of entertainment to ensure we guard our minds. There was an era in Assemblies of God, even some of our churches, don't go to the pictures. That's it. Well, the thing is, friends, it's not about going to the cinema. It's about what you're going to watch. That's the thing. And let's drive it back home because it's all right sort of getting all pure about what you're going to watch at the cinema. What about in the house? We can access multiple film choices at the flick of a button. Whatever is pure, whatever is true, noble, right, admirable, excellent, think on these things, pure in mind. And then pure in heart. The Proverbs, which Christians in at the moment says 423, guard your house heart because out of it become the issues of life someone described the heart as the seat of one's life someone says that a man is a man in his heart is what he is there are over a thousand scripture references to the heart it ought to tell us that it's really important in how God sees it going back to those verses I read from Matthew where Jesus was saying, guys, you are concentrating on the external, but if you'll get the internal world of your life right, it will automatically mean the external pours out. If I go into a group of guys and somebody's, I won't use any descriptions because your imagination will start to go, but swearing inappropriately. I don't need a word of revelation to know there's something wrong with that guy's heart. Because out of the heart, the mouth speaks. If somebody's taking the name of Jesus in vain in your office every five minutes, all it's doing is giving a revelation of the problems of their hearts. And God has called us to be pure in heart. Because he looks on the heart and he takes all of people who are after his heart. Thirdly, pure in motive. Proverbs 16.2. All a person's ways seem pure to them. But motives are weighed by the Lord. Christian says this to me often, and it's true. There are some lovely, lovely people out there. They raise their kids well. They pay their taxes, unlike certain clients of my bank, you know. They're neighborly. They give money to arena. But they're not born again. And actually at times when they've been challenged by coming to special events that we've done and Sunday meetings, all their ways have seemed pure to them. But motives are weighed by the Lord. And friends, the best of us Recognize that in the light of God's amazing glory and presence, we become the worst of us. And we all need Jesus. In John chapter 12, there was a party. Well, there would be, wouldn't there? Because in John chapter 11, there'd been a resurrection. 
For four days, Lazarus had been in the tomb. Jesus says, come forth. I love the economy. Jesus gets him out of the tomb and says, take his grave clothes off. You know, it's just incredible, isn't it? They had a party in Jesus' honor. And Mary, in extravagant, wasteful worship of Jesus, poured some perfume, pure nard, pure nard, on his feet. The Bible says that it was worth a year's wages. Whatever a year's wages are to you, imagine in a moment, washing them over Jesus' feet. And there was somebody there whose ways seemed pure to them. Come on, Jesus. What's the point of that? We could have given this money to arena community. We could have given it to the poor. And Jesus says, whoa, whoa. She has done something amazing. Pure nod. You see, people judging it by their motive, by their spirit. But she'd done a wonderful thing because her motive was right. Her motive was right. And friends, when our motives are right, and sometimes they'll be misconstrued, they'll be misrepresented, they'll be misjudged. When our motives are right, God receives unto himself all that we give and uses it for his glory. And finally, pure in body. In the Old Testament, God had a temple for his people, which is why King Josiah was so impacted. But listen, through the cross, God now has a people for his temple. We don't have to run today, friends, to Canterbury Cathedral to prove that we're really holy. And thank God the saints of God will be meeting there today. We don't have to sit under the ministry of Bishop John Santamu at York Minster. Because this today is the gathering point for the people of God. But this isn't the temple. You are. Corinthians 6, 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 19. Do you not know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit? John Bevere, a great Bible teacher, says God is not looking just to visit you. He's looking to inhabit you. That's the miracle of being a savior. That the spirit of God comes to dwell within us and we become the temple of the Lord. And if you decide to be a believer today, it brings some challenges You see, in the New Testament, there was a heresy around called Gnosticism. And uh, Gnosticism simply tried to divorce the responsibility of how you lived in your body with what was construed as a spiritual pursuit. All matter was evil, so basically it set people up to live with an unbiblical license that says, yes, I'm a follower of God, but it doesn't matter how I live in the body. There's still people out there that are guilty of Gnosticism today. But here's what we need to hear. They made a great divide between between matter and spirit, which led them to believe that how we behave in the body had little consequence. This is not Christian teaching. Believers are reminded that we are God's temple and that God lives in us by his spirit. So being spiritual does have an impact on the responsibilities of the physical. Let me briefly quote now veteran Bible teacher Michael Green, who for many years led that wonderful church right in the heart of Oxford, St. Aldates. And he wrote a book on the first 
letter of Corinthians, he said these words, we cannot divorce our spirituality from how we live in the physical body because the physical body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And he reminds us that people in Corinth were called out of that sort of lifestyle to live as strangers. Read it in Corinthians. And such were some of you. Oh, the list is grisly. But you were washed. You were justified. You were sanctified. He's called us to be different. Green goes on to remind us that the body will one day be raised. It's indwelt by the spirit. It's harmed by immorality. When you get involved in that stuff, you sin against yourself. Read it. I'm not time. It, it behaving wrongly constitutes robbery and rebe- rebellion, and our body belongs to Christ. Songwriter Chris Bowalter wrote these words many years ago. I'm not my own. I've been bought with a price. Precious blood of Christ. I am not my own. And again, if I can say this appropriately, you may be sat there this morning saying, well, do Arena Church believe in sexual relationships? Yeah, we do. And we believe it's a gift from God, friends. But there's a context. And I'd like to read our sexual moral ethic to you again this morning. It says this. People matter to God, all people. And the mat at the door reads, welcome. The challenge for all of us is to live out the sexual ethics taught in the Bible. This encourages full sexual expression between a man and a woman in the context of a marriage relationship and prescribes sexual abstinence for everyone else. The challenge comes with grace, recognizing confusion and brokenness. Christian talked about it in the autumn with that message on the different people that are coming. The challenge comes with grace, recognizing confusion and brokenness are rampant in a fallen world. So we honor the journey of everyone seeking to sincerely follow in Christ's ways. Does everybody in Arena Church live like that? Probably not. But if I can say it with grace this morning, friends, on behalf of the leadership and the eldership, that's our pure stance. And in grace, we're not moving. Stand out and shine. Not only as strangers, not only with integrity, but in purity. It's certainly not easy. I wonder if this morning, friends, you know, we've been challenged in our own hearts. But I wonder if God can find a group of believers here at Arena Church across all ages. I wonder if there's teenagers today that can rise up with a Josiah spirit. Say, you know what? I'm conscious of all this stuff going off in my college, my school. But sometimes you get the rip taken out of you because they know you've been in Arena this morning. But somehow you're going to live differently. I wonder in that blasphemous works canteen, the banter, in quotes, the knockabout, the jokes. I wonder if we've got blokes in Arena Church that can stand up and somehow, by God's grace, be different. Then you will shine like stars among them. Stars in the sky. One translation says stars in the universe. I wonder if the impactive message of living a pure life, friends, from Arena Church can actually touch our world. To close, apologies to take that. But all the stars are coming out tonight. They're lighting up the scar tonight. Die, you love that. For you, for you. Well, perhaps more friends for them. For them. And it may be you're here this morning, broken, tainted, tarnished, adulterated. 
you've lost that sense of living clean. Christian's going to make an invitation for you to begin a journey of finding Jesus who continually cleans every one of us up and sends us out to be a representative of his kingdom and glory. And I wonder today, friends, on this journey of standing out and shining in 2015, whether the arena stars can shine more brightly than we've ever shone before. This is not easy. And let me tell you, every one of us get confronted with this stuff. The ability for us to sit in the secrecy of our world and do things that nobody else knows about is huge. But if we can make a fresh, integrous decision this morning to say, God, please help me. Please help me to live pure for you. Because I sense that God comes close to such a people.